You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. This is episode 129. My guest is Dr. Eric Corem, the founder and CEO of AIM7, which brings world-class wellness to anyone with a wearable device. Eric and his team have developed a data intelligence platform that unlocks the power of wearable and mobile health data to provide customized and predictive wellness solutions. Prior to funding M7, Eric spent over 15 years working as a sports scientist and a high-performance director in collegiate and professional football. Eric also hosts the Blueprint podcast, where he interviews scientists, coaches, elite athletes, entrepreneurs, entertainers, and exceptional people to discuss actionable science and practical skills you can implement to become the most healthy, resilient, and impactful version of yourself. Hi, Eric. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Listening to that bio, I just kind of chuckled to myself. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, man, maybe I should shorten that down. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you, you saying at the end, you know, on the podcast, uh, becoming the most healthy, resilient, and impactful version of yourself, mm-hmm. isn't it what entrepreneurs are supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, but we're often not. Um, we're often burnout versions of ourselves. Uh, because yeah. of the look, it takes what it takes to an extent, a tremendous amount of 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 work, effort. Uh, things are gonna pivot on a dime. There's a lot of stresses you cannot predict. And so if you don't have the right processes in place, you're gonna end up in a bad spot. I mean, mm-hmm. how many of these entrepreneur shows have you heard where somebody up at a hospital, you know they they ended up having some cardiac issue? They gained a lot of weight uh, because they were coping with food or just not exercising and all these different things. Um, Not to say that I'm perfect by any means. There are periods of time where you're just a little bit more fatigued than others, and that's going to be normal. But if you don't have the capacity to adapt to those stressors, they can debilitate you. We'll talk a little bit more about wellness later on. So I I want to start with with a little bit about your journey because you worked in a as a science, uh, in a sport science uh-huh. for 15 years, like I said, and then you moved as an entrepreneur. How did that happen? That's a great question. So in 2011, I was working at Florida State University. I started there as the speed and strength conditioning coach. I'd worked in um, elite track and field and Florida State in the U.S. is one of the top football programs and the new head football coach had taken over for a legend who had won multiple national championships. And uh, I was quickly promoted to essentially the, the role of general manager. So I'm running a $300 million football organization. I'm 30 years old with zero experience. And um, wow. yeah, that was interesting. When the head football coach was like, hey, I want you to do this. It's not really the career path I was looking to go down. But I said, hey, look would you also name me director of sports science at that time? 
this is 2011, that role did not exist. Mm. I knew about it from European sport and sports were across the globe. And he was like, yeah, you can call yourself whatever you want. And uh, it was kind of funny. So I, um, during my vacation, I got asked by a startup Australian rules football team called the GWS Giants, Greater Western Sydney, to go out there on an information exchange for a month. And um, I, I went and learned about the emerging world of athlete wearable tracking technology. You put a device on a player, it connects to GPS satellites and a host of other cool things like accelerometers. And you can quantify the game and what's happening. So I brought this back to the coach. This did not exist in the U.S. at the time. And I convinced right. him to let us use it, use this to track our players in practice and in games. And we quantified the game of football for the first time and turned millions of data points into actionable recommendations to improve performance and reduce injuries. But I'll say this, at the very beginning, it was a massive headache. Um, we didn't know what to do with the data. And that caused a lot of friction with the head mm. coach and the organization because we're like, well, why are we, you know, why are we doing this? data without actionable recommendations and insight is just completely useless. So after that first season, we tracked, we were quantified, we quantified the game. And we realized like, okay, we got some big issues. One, we were just wearing our players out during the week. We were playing the equivalent of four to five games sometimes during the week before we got to Saturday. And then number two, the training uh, in the off season did not uh, reflect the positional demands of the game. So we were preparing for something that they actually weren't doing. Now we had elite coaches and elite talent. Um, we put in a, a bunch of different things that year, changed the way that we practiced to an extent, managed, I would say managed our players better, changed the way that we trained. The next year we had an 88% reduction in injury. Yeah. Uh, our team won a championship. And then the NFL, the National Football League, flew in several people and they're like, all right, what's happening here? Long story short, this opened a multi-billion dollar market in the U.S. for sports wearables and data. It just blew up. Fast forward to 2019, I got curious about the consumer space. Mm. Got all these people with wearable devices like your Apple Watch or your Fitbit or whatever. I wonder if they know how to use that data. The answer is no. Uh, research now is demonstrating that the wearables alone do not change behavior. That's why people want to wear a wearable. They want to feel better, right? As an academic, somebody that's curious and follows a scientific method, I just uh, piloted the project. So we we sent out a bunch of surveys, asked people what they would like out of their wearable device. Mm. The number one response we got was more energy. This thing could you know help me feel better. Number two was sleep, followed by you know right by stress and then weight loss. We wanted to see if we could predict somebody's energy level with an Apple Watch and some unique data sets. And not only could we do that, we could predict their energy level two days in advance. Wow. So I uh, showed this to, I was at the time in, a, in this program called the Presidential Leadership Scholars. It was started by four former presidents of the United States. They're in their, um, uh, their administrations. And we got basically trained by the presidents and their former administrations for seven months. Changed my life. One of the guys in that group, I told him what I was doing. He thought it was awesome. He was a very successful entrepreneur, wrote me a check, said, you need to go build this. Got me started. So in, I'd say November 2020, I left my career and went full-time AIM-7. That was a big leap. Mm -hmm. um, and just started the, the lean startup methodology, built an MVP, tested it. 
okay, built an alpha version, tested it, um, had to learn a lot of by, you know, had a lot of mistakes needed to learn how to hire better engineering talent. Mm. Uh, but you know, since it started, we now have a beta product that's in pri private beta average customer in their first 30 days now experiences a 31% reduction in stress and they do 38% more workouts. They sleep almost 10% better. Um, we rolled this out, like I said, to paying customers and it's doing very well. We also learned along the way that we're not just for consumers that we're now we have, it's kind of a multi-tiered uh, business plan, but we also license algorithms for health and wellness studios and different okay. uh, ventures. And then eventually the long-term vision for AIM7 is with enterprise payers like health insurance. It, boy, has it been an interesting road. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's really it's really impressive, especially because you come from the academic world. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, we're really sports, applied sports. It'd be like a yeah. coach that then yeah. became an entrepreneur. I do have a PhD, but I wasn't in a lab. I was actually an applied mm. version of a scientist. Has it helped you, your, this, this um, experience that you have in sports? Has it helped you being an entrepreneur? Yes. Um, in sports, especially elite sports. So I worked in college and in the National Football League, which is the highest level of football in the U.S. You are judged every week in the newspapers, in front of the national media. And there's a quick cycle of preparation and so you get really used to, we had a big win. You have, you, you can celebrate it that night and you're on to the next thing. Uh, you lose, you can mourn it for the, for the next 24 hours. You're on to the next thing. Um, you, you learn how to operate in an agile way. You also, I've also seen great. I've also been a part of really good teams and really bad teams. And the commonalities with business are pretty close. Great teams are aligned top to bottom. Everybody is aligned and pulling the rope in the same direction. They have a clear vision. They understand their purpose. Bad teams is just like, it's just chaos. Um, great teams have great talent. Mm -hmm. That's I've got to, you know, so I've finally have that talent. I feel like I have the roster now, you know, of people that are just very skilled at what they do uh, from an engineering perspective. We just brought on, um, we're bringing on a COO right now who's run data machine learning for the largest performance company in the world, 4,000 person company. He's coming on board. So we have a very talented crew uh, raising money. You know, in football, in college, you had to raise funds mm. for projects. I raised over a million dollars for one project and I'm raising funds. It's so there's a lot of things that correlate, but then there are things that don't. Like I didn't know about software development. You know, there's things that I've realized I'm not really good at. Mm. Like for instance, the operations of software development. So I have somebody now that's coming in to do that. Like there, I have a, a my own zone of expertise and things that I'm excellent at. I think the key is, is being very introspective and saying, I'm not good at this. I need to have a certain level of competency, but then I need to go find the person that's excellent, empower them, get out of their way and let them do their job. And so I've taken lessons I've learned from sports and applied mm -hmm. them and then also tried to upskill myself as fast as possible in the world of being an entrepreneur. And you went, you went fast into it. <laughs> I jumped right in. I've, you know, when I did this, you know, I've always 
been somebody that swam upstream. Yeah. When I did the wearable tech thing in football, it was not popular. People were afraid. I didn't care because I knew it was the best thing for, I, 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 my gut told me this is going to change the way things are done. And it has, mm. I'm comfortable with ambiguity. Um, sometimes maybe a little too comfortable, but you know, it's that callous that I needed to be able to step into this new world. Your story reminds me of this movie with Brad Pitt, uh, Moneyball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, Billy Bean and the Oakland A's. Yeah, they um, they were using Saber metrics to draft players. Very, you know, a lot. The old scouts didn't like it. Mm. You know, they didn't. They, you know, that I've been through. The, it's so funny. A lot of that stuff. You know, you hear about how they evaluate players, and it's like, you know, he's got a big butt and he runs fast, and his girlfriend's <laughs> good looking. You're like, what in the world? Like some of these things, like anthropometrics like how they're structured and yes like if you're a certain position you need larger glutes and hips and things like that but it was just anything that's soft in nature it's really good if you can try to bring a hard number to it yeah the the power of data mm. um well I'm, i'm really glad that i'm talking to you today because you know you, you have a, a spot assigned you're a spot scientist Uh-huh. and i got the chance to talk about wellness and uh-huh. wellness speci- specifically for entrepreneurs because like we were saying at the beginning of the conversation a lot of entrepreneurs don't take care of themselves can you can we start by defining what what is wellness what does it mean i think wellness goes back to something called adaptive capacity mm. if you are well you are able to adapt to physical and psychological stress If you are unwell, that is the, f- when your body is unable to adapt to physical and psychological stress, that's when you get burnout, injured, sick, or die. Yeah. That's just a basic biological process. So if you are well, your body is, is coping and adapting. And so what I think people, it co- fundamentally comes down to stress. Okay. Stress in and of itself is not a bad thing. Stress mm-hmm. is actually the gateway to growth. If you want to improve your physical fitness, you have to engage in exercise, which is a stress on the system. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn a new skill, you have to deliberately engage in the task of learning, which causes agitation. It's a stress that drives plasticity of the brain. The problem is, is when you exceed your capacity to adapt to acute stress or chronic stress. And what happens is, is um, that's when you get burnout. That's when you get sick. That is when you have problems. And so there's a, a term I think that would be good to anchor our conversation on, and it's called allostasis. Dr. Bruce McEwen, he was a giant in the world of neuroendocrinology. I wouldn't expect you to know who he is, but he really reframed the way that we thought think about stress. Allostasis is the ability to achieve stability through change. Right. So your body wants to be in this state of homeostasis. Your body is striving for allostasis. You have a big stress. It wants to come back to normal. Okay. Then there's another term called allostatic load. Mm. It is the cost of stress. Every time you encounter a stress, there is a cost, physical or psychological. And there's all different stressors, financial, relationships, physical, uh, chemical, right? All these different things. 
And so what you're trying to do is we're trying to create the capacity to adapt to more stress with less cost. So think about it this way. If you and I are going on a trip and we were to get into my car, I have to fill it with gas or petrol or whatever, right? You only have a, a, a certain size gas tank. When you run out of gas, you're out of luck. Now, mm. what if we could make that tank bigger and put more gas in? Guess what? We could go farther. As long as the car is in working order, you're going to get to your final destination. And what entrepreneurs need to do is to build more capacity. Because mm. there are going to be times when you're going to like all of a sudden something's going to happen and you're going to need a fuel reserve to get you to the next landmark. And if you don't have it, you're going to get sick. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to make poor decisions. Right. Okay. Interesting. So the next question then it's, it's how do you do that? Yeah. There are five pillars for building adaptive capacity. Mm. Um, these things are, in the scientific literature, and it's very clear that not only do they improve your longevity, your your performance as a human being, but they increase your capacity to adapt to stress. Now, when I tell you these things, you're going to be like, well, sure, but there's some nuance to these things, but that's sleep, exercise, yeah. mental fitness, nutrition, and living and fostering, living in community and fostering healthy relationships. And so we can kind of go into those if you like, but there's there's certain critical thresholds you kind of need to reach with each one. Um, I, I've heard, I've heard those, I've heard those before, and you know, everybody. If you tell that to everyone, it would be like, yeah, 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 of course. But so many entrepreneurs, especially, mm -hmm. don't do it. They're not, you know, they don't sleep well. They don't eat well. Um, they they end up burning out. Well, why is it so counterintuitive to take care of, you know? of oneself? I think from a, well, first of all, our world has changed dramatically. Several hundred years ago, or just a hundred years ago, most of us were doing jobs that were physical in nature. So we were getting a lot of physical activity. Mm. Now, we're in a knowledge worker economy. So we earn money by thinking and creating so that lends itself to being, you know, static or just not being ambulatory. So we think that if we sit there and we focus and we concentrate, and we pound away at the keyboard all the time, we're going to create more. The problem is the very systems that support creativity need to be, need to be nurtured. Your brain needs to be nurtured. How do you nurture your brain and, and expand its capacity to adapt to stress and to be more plastic and learn faster? Sleep, exercise, yeah. nutrition, yeah. sunlight, all of the, th it's like all of the things that are going to make you more creative, a higher performer, you need to invest in them at some level. And if you don't, you will pay a price. It's just pretty clear. But I hear so many entrepreneurs telling me, yeah, I know I need to exercise. I don't have time. <laughs> you you yeah. know? How can we help them change their mind? Well, first of all, I would say don't do everything. Don't try to fix everything at once. If you try to do that, you'll get over. That's like, that is like the biggest roadblock I find. People are like, fine, like, okay, I want to do something and try, they try to do everything. Mm. Uh, you need to pick one thing to start with. 
and get that, you know, in, invest in that, make small, tiny little behavior changes until that is like, okay, I'm at a stable place. I'm hitting the basics. I'm doing well. Now we add the next thing because the key to long-term change is not intensity. It's consistency. Does that make sense? Consistency mm -hmm. of small yeah. things over time will create radical changes. And so I would just say that you need to pick one of these areas. And if I was a entrepreneur, the first place at one A, I'd say the first two things I would look at. So number one would be your sleep. This one is sacrificed consistently. Yeah. And what people don't realize, especially if you're a knowledge worker or an entrepreneur, is that all of the work that you put in during the day, all of the learning that you try to do is cemented when you sleep. So when you learn, sit down and learn something, you know, like if you have to engage in something that's hard, you got to write a blog or whatever, there is this sense of agitation. Well, that's what's called the sympathetic nervous system ramping up. That's leading to increased respiration, heart rate, blood pressure. These are all good things. It's making you more focused and alert. What happens during this period of time is that the neurons that are used at this point are marked. When you sleep, specifically deep sleep, those neurological connections are strengthened. They actually enlarge in size. Mm. Um, other ones are selectively weakened. This is called the, this was the synaptic homeostasis hypothesis. Now they've proven it to be true. Tononi and Sorelli are the two scientists that, that demonstrated this, that your brain is actually expanding and contracting while you're sleeping. It's getting larger and smaller in certain areas. And so they say that sleep is the price the brain play, pays for plasticity. That number, that's number one. Number two, um, sleep dramatically enhances our immune defenses. A lot of entrepreneurs get sick frequently because they're just so stressed out. During the day, your stress systems are turned on. That's what enables you to get going, right? But at night, they are turned off or downregulated. And that is when your immune system recovers. It also is when your immune system creates what's called long-term immunological memory. So when it recognizes a foreign invader again, it can attack it, neutralize mm -hmm. it. Stress hormone, cortisol, which is phenomenal. It's what you get a big pulse in cortisol in the morning. It wakes you up. It makes you alert. That's downregulated at night. If that's chronically elevated, you will get sick. Mm. Okay. For men that are listening to this, uh, when you sleep at night, specifically REM sleep, that rapid eye movement sleep later at night, that's when the majority of your testosterone is released. You can actually predict... Uh, testosterone levels in older men by looking at sleep duration. If you restrict yourself to just five hours a night of sleep for a week. So every year after the age, like 30, you lose your testosterone naturally decreases about one to 2%. Mm -hmm. If you restrict sleep just for one week to about five hours a night, your testosterone decreases by 10 to 15%. You've basically aged yourself wow. a decade. Yeah. Uh, there's other things like growth hormone, Growth hormone is secreted during early parts of sleep that restores your tissues. Um, sleep also regulates your hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin. So if you sleep less than seven hours a night consistently, you tend to overeat up to almost 400 calories a day. So you're going to have a hard time maintaining your weight. Um, really important for entrepreneurs, especially if you're a team, uh, sleep helps with emotional regulation, control of yep. your mood. So the imposter ever, syndrome. 
Yeah. <laughs> he helps me a lot with the imposter syndrome in my case. <laughs> no question. Um, there's also some something very interesting. There's a rapid incline right now. We're seeing of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah. The past about past 15 years, we learned that there's a system in the body called the lymphatic system. It's mm -hmm. like this metabolic drainage system. Well, your brain doesn't have that. Your brain has what's called the glymphatic system. And this is a recent discovery. Uh, it's these what are called paravascular pathways that when you sleep at night, the system is only engaged when you sleep. It flushes out metabolic waste products from your brain, of which one of the important ones is something called amyloid beta. It's like a bad metabolic waste protein. That it's accumulation in the brain is strongly related to Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Here's what we're finding. We're sleeping significantly less than we were 100 years ago. Average mm -hmm. sleep per night was around eight hours. Now we're the average, I know, American. I saw recently the Apple, Apple and the American Heart Association partnered, and they are releasing this study on all these behaviors are tracking on the devices and heart health. Yeah. Millions, they had millions of nights of sleep. All these people wearing these wearable devices. And the average person was sleeping six and a half hours a night. Wow. what we need based on the scientific literature is at least seven, seven to nine. Yeah. Okay. So think about this. We're sleeping less. We're having an incline in neurodegenerative disease. And now we know that when you sleep at night, your brain is flushing out all these metabolic toxins. If you don't get enough sleep, what's being stuck in your brain. Yeah. So you're not even able to think clearly. So there's so, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but I would start with sleep. And if you're listening to this, you're probably like, well, great. Thank you for telling me I need to sleep more. How do, <laughs> how, how do I do it? Right. So a couple things, one of the first things I learned in my doctoral program, cause I studied sleep. I studied sleep and how it impacts the brain's ability to adapt to stress. We learned about something called the circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So there's two things that create our sleep-wake cycle. One is this circadian clock. It's this 24-hour rhythm, and it's called it's an endogenous rhythm. It's kind of wired into us. But it needs to be synchronized and anchored. And there's these things called zeitgivers or time givers. The primary time givers are light, temperature, food, movement strongest one is light. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's happened with being an entrepreneur or just being in modern societies, we spend so much time indoors. We were not designed for that. So when you wake up in the morning, one of the most important things that you can do is to literally go outside and get natural light. Even if you're in Northern climates where it's very cloudy, it doesn't matter. The lux or intensity of the light coming through the clouds is thousands of times more strong, stronger than like artificial light that you have in your house. What that does is it sends a signal to these neurons in your eyes that sends a signal to this thing that sits above the roof of your mouth called the suprachiasmatic nucleus or the circadian pacemaker. That then sends a signal to every cell in your body through increasing temperature that it's time to be alert and awake. And then frequent exposure to sunlight during the day uh, I actually just had Sachin Panda on my podcast. He's the from the Salk Institute, one of the leading circadian biologists in the world. 
And they find that the more exposure you get to light during the day, even if it's just every couple hours, go outside for five minutes, walk around, Mm -hmm. it increases your melatonin level at night. So you're able to fall asleep faster. So if all you did was get up in the morning, even if you're an early riser, when the sun comes up, get some sunlight, and then frequently throughout the day, just walk around your block a little bit, maybe eat your lunch outside, sit next to a window, you're going to start sleeping better. Give it a few weeks. And the last thing I would say is if sunlight, if light is an alerting signal, there it's an alerting signal in the evening. So when the sun goes down, the lights in your house should start dimming and you need to create an environment that's conducive to sleep. So your bedroom should be cold, dark, and quiet like a cave. Mm. If you just do these couple things, you're going to buy, you're naturally going to want to go to bed. Now, if you drink a bunch of coffee or espresso, make sure you're cutting that off by like one or two o'clock because the half-life of coffee is really long or caffeine. But if you just do those couple things, you're going to start sleeping better. Yeah. Well, I live, I live in Finland in in summer, you know, we have like daylight all day long and this, I, I, I have to do that exactly. Like like create that cave in, in the bedroom. So and create, you know, like uh, remove, uh, uh, turn the, sorry, pull the curtains off. Yeah. As, as around like 8 PM, or even, even sometimes even uh, earlier so that I give the impression to my body that it's the evening. Otherwise I can't, I can't sleep. And I also use a a mask, a sleeping mask. Mm. There you go. There was some papers that just came out that show that using a sleeping mask is very effective for learning for reaction time. All So find one that's comfortable, especially if you live where you do, Laurent, that that's a very important thing to do. Yeah. 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 And so, so what about you? So you talk a lot about the science, et cetera, but let's talk practice. Let's talk about you. Because you're yeah. a busy startup funder. Are you trying to disrupt an industry? <laughs> so, you know, time is precious. What? How do you juggle with uh, the five pillars? It's a great question. Um, I realized that I can't do, I used to want to do all things at one time. So I've cut, I've had to, I like, for instance, I do jujitsu and all these different things. And I realized I can't do all of this stuff. Right. So I have to, first of all, think about what's important to me. I'm a father and a husband and I have three kids. Uh, my faith is very important to me and my health is very important to me and my business. Right. So let's say those four things, relationships with others, five. So I've got to, I can't do everything amazing at the same time, but there's certain things that have to stay intact. I have to keep my family intact. I have to keep my health intact. And for me, my faith is very important. So I have to invest in that every day. It doesn't have to be crazy. Uh, so for me, you want to know what a day kind of looks like. Well, um, give some, uh, give some tips, you know, practical yeah, tips. I get up early. Yeah. I'm an early riser. I find that I go to bed by nine o'clock. I put my kids down. I'm in bed sometimes eight 45. I just don't watch TV. Cut that out. Uh, maybe on the weekends, I'll watch a little TV and I'm very consistent with my sleep routine. Yeah. I'm up at five to five 30 in the morning and I go for a walk, even though there's no sun, get myself going. I invest in the things that are important to me right then and there. I take a cold shower. So I'm alert and I spend a little time, uh, spiritual time. And then I get to work. 
Mm. Like those are sacred hours. Like nothing else in the world is really going on. I think if I can win the hours of like 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., I'm good. Because then I have my meeting with my team and then all hell breaks loose in the afternoon sometimes, (laughs) right? Like, let's just be honest. Like you got all these random things and I'm starting, I'm getting better at this. I am creating room for chaos so I don't feel stressed out. I work out in the late afternoon um, and then at night, I just don't, I don't feel the stress of, I got all these things to do. I would rather go to bed early, wake up early Mm. and feel like by lunchtime, I have just crushed it. And then I have room. I walk a lot. That's how I get a lot of exercise. So like, I'll take walking meetings. I'll go, as soon as this is over with, I'm going to go walk around the block two times. I try to get as much natural movement as possible. Um, from a health perspective, food, I make a lot of things in just batches, Yeah, chicken, batch it all up and put it in a bin, vegetables, roast a bunch of vegetables on the weekend. Um, and I, I, rice, like white rice or whatever. And I just try to keep it super simple. And that way, like I I'm on the go, boom, 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 put some stuff together and, and I try to make it as simple as I possibly can lower all the areas of friction so that I can execute and then create some space for latitude. Like, Hey, I didn't get it done today. Okay. Mm-hmm. can't just be down on myself or I just came off a very intensive week. We are in a venture studio and I'm a little bit tired right now. I didn't get to sleep like I wanted to last week. I knew it was coming. So I'm adjusting. You know, I'm getting extra sleep right now. I'm going to bed even earlier. Um, but I also make room, for, you know, for those times with my kids, you know, like we, we're at the ball field all weekend. I'm around my kids. I'm spending time with them and I'm investing with them. I try, you know, so you've got a, I have a friend who said like, if you take a note card and you put like the four biggest things in your life on there and you have, oh, let's say you only had 10 points. You can't put 10 points in each bucket. Sometimes exercise is going to come down work is going to go up family is going to stay in the middle mm-hmm. maybe it's a period in the summer where families at the highest works in the middle exercise is the lowest but you're still doing something and i think that's a really good just like note card it out this quarter this is what it's going to look like but i'm still going to i'm not going to ignore my health i'm going to do these basic things and i'm going to be feel good about it yeah i think the feel good about it is really important because I struggle, I struggle with that sometimes when, you know, I will uh, spend more time on uh, uh, business in, rather than sports. And I feel bad about not going to exercise enough, you know. But like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a combination. It's a balance. You have to find the balance and be, and be okay with it. Absolutely. And if you're, if, you're, if you're walking a lot and you're eating healthy, maybe you weren't able to go to, quote, the gym. Guess what? You're still moving the needle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got a dog, so I walk him out a lot. <laughs> there you go. Go walk the dog. It's I gotta I gotta go walk the dog. I can't take this yeah. call right now. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I I have to put I have to put in my I have to schedule the dog walks into my calendar. So otherwise I otherwise I won't do it. <laughs> right. And your poor dog will suffer. Exactly. <laughs> it's always a question of priority. But thank you, thank you. Thank you for sharing uh all of these tips. I hope I hope it will uh, help uh, all the entrepreneurs. I hope um, so too. 
Going going back to your entrepreneurship uh, journey, and you the you the entrepreneur, how has entrepreneurship transformed you? Pushed me to learn a lot of skills pretty yeah. quickly. Um, I realized that I'm capable of doing more than I thought I was. You know, I was making pretty good money in sports, hmm. and the first year and a half, I paid myself almost nothing burning through savings, right? Uh, I had a certain amount, like a certain amount in account. And I was like, this is all we can burn, right? And then mm. and then, and then we'll have to eject from this venture if it doesn't fit work. And you start to realize like there's certain things you just don't need um, to be happy at all. Not that, that I was materialistic, but like you really don't need as much as you think you need. I've also, you know, really come to value close relationships and friendships even more mm. because we moved back to Houston from Virginia where we were before I've lived all over the United States because we loved this community. And we knew that if we were going to do something very, very hard, we wanted to be around people that would love and support us. And I have a very strong relationships in the community. We have a wonderful church that we're a part of. Um, and it was, a, you know, I don't know. Most people don't know, but Houston is the most diverse city in America. And our neighbor, our county, the area we live in is the most diverse county in America. So I'm a, I'm like in a melting pot of people. Mm. And it's, it's just, it's more vibrant. I don't know. I think it's really important. I, I just really learned to cherish those close relationships even more. All right. Time for my last question. Okay. This is where you take all your experience and you summarize it into one practical recommendation for other entrepreneurs. I would say invest in adaptive capacity so that you can be your best without burning out. If we were to take all of it, you've got to build capacity. If you don't, you will never get to your end destination. Leads me to another question because you, you mentioned burnout several times. What are, what are the... Uh the typical burnout symptoms? Oh, yeah. Uh, weight gain or weight loss. Okay. Honestly. Um, inability to focus. Chronically fatigued. Um, low sexual drive. You know, if you look at objective measures, increased heart rate, uh, heart rate variability decreases. Um lack of focus and attention, you know, if you start feeling this way chronically, you, you need to go see a doctor and you're going to need to dial it back or else it could really, it could cost you your life. If you don't, if you don't pay attention. The message is given last question. <laughs> How can people contact you? Yeah, you can, uh, I'm, I'm at Eric Corum on Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, you could email me if you want, eric at ericquorum.com. And then the blueprint is a great place to get connected uh, to basically the stuff we talked about today. And we we deliver it in like 10 to 15 minute messages for busy entrepreneurs. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for your time today. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Interviews, Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe now so you don't miss any episodes. See you next time. Bye for now.